and welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's film is Apocalypse Now, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, starring Martin Sheen and Marlon Brando. My name is Cameron Tuttle, and I'm joined with Isaac Ransom. Isaac, how are you doing? I'm good. It's a productive Saturday. It's mm. like kind of a lazy productive Saturday, because we're doing the show, obviously. Uh, I was doing some shelf hanging um, not for me, but for my cousin. And I washed my car and Juliana's car because she's out of town. I just thought it would be nice. So, ah, that's uh, that's very been, sweet. Yeah, I've been doing a bunch of a bunch of things like that. I'm like, man, it's kind of satisfying to just be like out working in the sun on Saturday. I'm I'm starting <laughs> to feel like a, a father already. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I can't tell. Sometimes I like just sitting inside all Saturday, but today was not one of those days. So overall, doing pretty good, Cameron. How are you? Also doing well. Um, yeah, I had lunch with Kiana earlier, and then um, I uh, kind of just took a nap. It was like I felt, you know, when you it's like the post post lunch uh, uh, feeling. You know what I mean? Mm, Where yeah, you're you're feeling a little sluggish, but um, I'm doing good now. I'm I'm feeling energized. I watched this movie last night, and I also watched Hearts of Darkness um, last night too. So it was quite the uh, like four hour session of of watching related things about this movie. Wow! Um, but Hearts of Darkness um, is really really excellent. I act- I had actually never seen it before, um, but it's a documentary that sort of follows the um, making of the movie. And uh, Francis Ford Coppola's wife uh, was filming behind the scenes. And actually, she recorded secret conversations between them, like in private, um, and that is used in the movie as well. So wow. there's some really interesting stuff in there. Some some like um, very vulnerable things about about the making of the movie. So I'll I'll tell you about that a little later. It's very interesting. Absurd, man. That's like crazy. I I always find that the people shooting behind the scenes. I mean, don't forget about this, guys. But. Uh, your digital footage, like the collection of that stuff, is important. You know, um, cat the capturing yeah. of memory. If you're ever working on anything, I just um, put out like an about us video for the company I'm working for, and most of the people were happy with it. And they're like, "This is so cool! It's like such a good advertisement." And I was like, "I think it's more than that. Like, I think it's, I think it's like supposed to capture like where we're at right now." You know, like, although it may look a little corporate, like, it's still, like, the de- the <laughs> they were upset at me at first because the office looked messy, and I was like, who cares? Like, it always looks like this. Why wouldn't it look like this, you know? Mm. Um, and they're like, well, you know, that's not what we want to put out in front of people. I said, why not? Like, it, it is who we are, you know? Like, it's not like people are going to care that much. You know, oh, the, the office is messy like a real office, you know? So what? Um, we're not a mega corporation, so... But it's just interesting, you know, like the preservation of um, of of things, especially behind the scenes with like these big creative projects. You would think that studios would spend more on behind the scenes stuff. Um, but I think the touch of, you know, someone's wife being involved, man, that can be. Pro- <laughs> I don't know how long that marriage is going to last. You know, <laughs> it's just it's uh, it's well, I mean, pretty they- intense. They, um, I, I think they're still married as far as I know, but I think the, um, uh, 
Oh yeah, yeah. There's there's still nude. Um well, good. But part of it, I mean obviously she had permission to release it in the documentary, but um the documentary was released 20 20 years after. Oh, um, okay. And you know, it was um uh, <laughs> there's one part in it that she says like, "Yeah, I'm here, you know, um with Francis to film behind the scenes and i don't know if he's wanting me to like stay out of the way or if this is like a you know <laughs> this is like yeah his assignment to me so that i i keep myself busy or whatever um you know so um it's a little tongue-in-cheek but i i think i think the importance of the um well anyways we'll we'll talk about the the sort of he- hectic uh, making of of this movie because I think you can really feel it in the structure of the movie um, in a lot of ways. So, um, but we have a question. So, yes. Well, I was also gonna. I want to pick your brain, Cameron. If you've watched anything else this week, because I have watched a little bit else myself. Um. Yeah. Did I say that I watched Men? Last you said week? that last episode. Yeah. Okay. I, I yeah, mean, so... we, this is pretty recent in between our last recording, so I don't. I, can't, I haven't expected you to watch too much in between. Yeah, I haven't watched anything other than um, than Men. So, I watched um, the beginning of Dead Man's Chest. Mm-hmm. Of the Caribbean. 2. The second. The second Caribbean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that movie um, really holds up, at least in my mind, because it's pretty. It's a lot more fast paced than I remember. Um, because as a kid, I was like, this is boring when there's British people talking, you know? <laughs> um, but now I'm like, wow, this is kind of breakneck. Like it's, it's like, she slowed down there a little bit. Um, hmm. and so, yeah, I really enjoyed revisiting it. The budget is insane. The look is insane. It still looks incredible. Um, so yeah, I remember some of the action sequences in that movie are pretty, pretty excellent. I, I remember almost nothing about the plot though. Um, so, like, I mean, who knows if uh, if the plot still holds up? I, I I actually have no idea. I I know the first one; it really does as sort of a uh, beautiful little succinct action adventure movie. Um, I still think the first one is is really brilliant. Um, and do you remember when when they came out? Um, those movies. I because re- yeah. we were ki- we were kids, um, kind of around the right age ish to see them i think i remember the most about uh world's end mm-hmm. just something about like the smoky marketing like the white fog and jack sparrow like on the xbox 360 case you know like that's like very <laughs> memorable for me right 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 um so yeah oh, that, I, I i i remember uh <laughs> seeing a lot of marketing for that movie um but dead man's uh, chess. I don't. I don't remember seeing too much besides actually watching it myself. I think the plot is a little overly complex. It feels a little bit like, actually, it kind of reminded me of when I was watching Game of Thrones. Um, which is sort hmm. of surprising. <laughs> That's kind of um, funny. Yeah, because there's like so many different parties with different interests, and then individuals with their own interests within the parties. So there's like yeah. the the quote quote good pirates uh with captain jack and his crew fighting for different things then there's like you know elizabeth and william and they're both involved between the british and the good pirates and then there's like the bad mythical pirates and then there's also which i think is one of the more interesting characters 
um, I don't remember his name, but he is like the villain from the first movie who's now a drunk that has his own motivation and like revenge plot against uh, like Will and Captain Jack. And there's that great like three man fight in the movie where Mm. they're all fighting over kind of that MacGuffin device. Right. The jar Um, of dirt. Right. Uh, or is no. that later? I don't know if it's the jar. Oh, is the, it's the heart. No, it's a heart of yeah Davy Jones in yes. the chest. Yeah. Yes, but there's also like multiple MacGuffins that people are fighting for in the movie as well. <laughs> yeah, I, the, I definitely remember. That. <laughs> there's the compass, which like is Jack Captain Jack has. There's the key, which Will has that opens yes, the yes. chest. Which yes. is in the dirt, right, or something, something like that. So I, ha- I didn't finish. I have no. I remember the ending, but I don't remember who gets what at the end. You know, like who's in charge of the Black Pearl, who, um, or the. I think the Black Pearl sunk. Spoilers, um, <laughs> but I don't remember who's with who at the end of the movie. Um, so I'll have to finish that and report back. Um, I'm also watching, uh, rewatching Stranger Things season four again with Glenn. Um, second viewing. Still great. Probably don't need to be wasting my time uh, watching it, but it's still really good. So watch it if you haven't seen it. Um, watched episode five of Kenobi as well. A little bit better. A couple strange <laughs> decisions, but still the best episode probably out of the whole show. Um, I just watched Red Letter Media's review of the Kenobi episode one through four. And it was very comical because they were like, the show is so cheap and trashy that it kind of reminds them of Star Wars more than hmm. most things. Um, and I don't really agree with that. I think the show is pretty garbage, um, to be fair, <laughs> to be honest, uh, because like they've done it good before, like the Mandalorian season one done. Like that's like what a Star Wars show should be. You know, um, this is not it. This is not what a Star Wars show should be. Um, and it's sad because they have some kind of big actors attached to this one compared to, I guess the Mandalorian is, is bigger, but still, still watch them. The first season of Mandalorian, if you haven't seen that, um, and you can probably pass on Kenobi unless you're desperate for Star Wars, but who is, you know, that's kind of (laughs) how I feel about it, but okay. Let's get to that audience question. Uh, you can write in a question by supporting us on Patreon. This question is from Tim Smith. Um, he asks, how do you view this summer's movie season? Cameron, as if I know what's coming out this summer at all. Oh, um, it's terrible. It's like it's in dire, dire need of more movies. Okay, so we had we had Doctor Strange. Um, I count kind of May and May through August as like summer season. So I don't know if anybody counts by something different. But um, yeah, we had, uh, we had Doctor Strange, Top Gun Maverick, um, and then... Pfft, Jurassic World, I think, came out, and that looked terrible. Um, basically, nothing in June. I think El- the Elvis movie is coming out, but eh, eh. and then Thor is in July, and so is Nope, which is the Jordan Peele movie. Um, and that's like pretty much it. Like basically nothing else. There's a George Miller movie which is coming out in late August, but um, and you know, I'm I'm excited for that. But yeah, this this season has been like absolutely dire. So, um, yeah, I view this as, as a, as a poor, 
yeah, nothing is basically nothing's coming out, <laughs> essentially. So it's sad because I think you know it feels like now would be the time, at least in the like. Obviously, Cameron, you and I are in California, so things have been a little stricter with COVID. But like everyone's less kind, so now. Yeah, yeah, everyone's kind of on that teetering point. We were hanging out in San Francisco um, last weekend, and you were talking about how that coffee shop that we went to was like the first time. People were inside that you can remember at least. Um, yeah, like sitting in, like actually sitting in a coffee shop. Like I don't, I don't really remember doing that very. I get, I mean, I know it's been available. I just haven't really been out um, since since it it lifted. But I know Alameda County, which is across the bay from me, um, it's going back to using masks. So when I saw men, um, you know, they were checking vaccines and had you wear a mask and stuff. So wow. Um, so, you know, not everywhere is um, leaving off. But but for the most part, it's it's sort of calming down, I guess you could say. My point being is, like, they should probably hit the theaters harder now than, like, ever, right? Well, you I know? thought it was weird because um, there was... I mean, you think about 2020, the movies that got delayed, right? Top Gun Maverick is one of those. Um, but you, I thought there would have been more. So maybe what, what's happening right now is that this is the slow period from the 20, from 2020, basically, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's like 2020 in 2021, we got a couple good movies throughout. Um, and then they held on to some and like Top Gun Maverick is the last one that they hold on, they held on to. And now we're, we're basically being like, this is the, these are the, this is the drought of movies because, you know, they they weren't making movies in 2020, really. So um, that's my thought about it. But I don't know. Overall, I thought there would have been more movies because um, they were holding more. They were holding on to more movies, but I guess not. I, I mean, I don't know. This this I think this year is going to suck um, overall. So. Well, it's OK because there's a lot of movies to catch up on. That in, is in true. my perspective. And, you know, if you're really looking for a movie to watch, Tim, in the summer, like we basically have a recommendation for you every week. So just That's check, true. you know, the feed and you can be like, yeah. oh, there's something to watch, you know. And then we, the other recommendation is Top Gun Maverick again. So <laughs> have you seen it yet? Isaac? No, I, I have not seen it. I don't know why I haven't really been overly interested to go see it. I don't I don't know. I mean, you it seems see it. cool. You it should see it in theaters. It's really, it's a lot of fun. Um, my family saw it and they all loved it. It was weird. I was like, oh, you guys went to the movies? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, uh, I always, I that's how I like marker in my in my head what movies are big. You know what I mean? It's like if my family rolls out to go see a movie, basically. I know it's like a blockbuster and like is a big hit. Although, yeah. to be fair, they, um, they did go see like the fantastic beasts movies so i i don't know maybe that's not a good gauge <laughs> but well this is again cinema spectator you can support us at patreon.com slash ecfs productions uh get some exclusive com uh a commentary track or an episode uh monthly uh or bi-monthly just depending on our schedule for just a dollar uh, you can have your questions read on air uh claim the ability to vote on films we watch each month uh, if you don't have a few dollars, it's all good. We vastly appreciate rating on iTunes. Uh, sh just sharing the show, telling friends and family about it, all that stuff helps the show grow. We appreciate you guys listening to the show every week. We thank you for spending your time with us, and we hope we can entertain you talking about Apocalypse Now, Cameron. 
Uh, are you ready to get into it? Give us some context. I am so ready. Okay. So, um, Apocalypse Now is actually was supposed to be the first movie um, that uh, that Francis Ford Coppola made after creating his um, his company. I think it's called American Zoetrope or something like that. Um, it was supposed to be his first, you know, independent production that he made. He had made a couple successes in like the late 60s, early 70s, or actually late 60s, basically. Um, and so he was looking for a um, an outlet um, to, you know, produce this movie. And this was during the Vietnam War, and they were trying to film it in Vietnam uh, in <laughs> 16 millimeter and running around. And George Lucas was going to direct it, actually. Um, but basically, the uh, the studios were essentially like, uh, no, you're all going to die. Uh, that That's probably not going to happen. We're not going to send you out uh, into um, an active war zone. And, um, so it got shelved. He ended up making the Godfather instead and the Godfather part two, which we have watched. Um, but really, I mean, he had always wanted to sort of make this movie and it was based on, um, a script written by John Milius, um, who, um, yeah, I mean, he, Milius is an, is an interesting character. You should read up on him. Um, Isaac, he, he's like, um, he's really, funny uh interesting guy but um so um uh, yeah so apocalypse now did end up end up getting funded by united artists um in i think they started filming in like um 1977 um and they were again denied by the u.s military to use any equipment anything um, because the film was, you know, obviously fairly critical of, of the Vietnam War. So instead, uh, they actually worked with the uh, government of the Philippines and they could use all of the um, all of the helicopters that the Filipino government had, um, except when they needed them. <laughs> so uh, there were some times when uh in the middle of a take, they would just fly off and uh, they didn't know when they were coming back. So if you can imagine. Um, so, so the the reason why I sort of set this up is that this is actually basically an independent movie. I mean, it's fu it's funded by um, partially by United Artists, but also um, uh, Coppola had put an exorbitant amount of money into the movie, you know, part partially the money that was. Um, that was, uh, you know, that he made from, from, uh, from the two Godfather movies. Um, and so he was kind of on the line for this movie, for making it good. And he was extremely, um, he, he was kind of jump, he jumped in with, with both feet. Um, but really he kind of didn't know what he was getting into. Um, and the, the movie ended up expanding and expanding and expanding after delays and um, many months of, of just, you know, random filming. And it's a great example of um, almost like what not to do in a lot of ways, um, how to plan better. Uh, but unfortunately... I mean, I guess fortunately, fortunately, the movie is very good. So um, it's hard to say like, oh, this is a lesson and not to 
what not to do because um i mean when you have when you have such a talent um it you know it it kind of worked out in in the end somehow um but yeah the story follows a captain who uh, at the beginning of the film is kind of um in a in a very low place um looking it's implied that he has um you know either PTSD or you know something um changed him through the war um and he is sent on a mission to assassinate a um colonel who has sort of gone off the reservation um he's out on his own in um Cambodia the neighboring country to Vietnam um and so there the US government is not supposed to be in Cambodia um but this mission is highly classified because they need to they need to kill Kurtz in order to um to sort of rein in his his excess in a little bit um and you know he they set it up in the beginning that um you know he's he's gone crazy essentially and the people around him you know the natives think of him as a god and uh the story is is loosely based although um yeah it's it's loosely based on a book uh a novel by joseph conrad called hearts of darkness or heart of darkness and um the book sort of is a similar structure to how the movie is where it follows basically a riverboat captain, um, who's trying to, um, you know, same sort of thing, essentially assassinate a, um, a man, or he's trying to find a man who, who has gone off to live with, um, uh, with the natives of, you know, in this colony and through the movie, the, the deeper and darker you get into the, um, you know, up the river, the crazier and crazier things become, the more pop- apocalyptic they become. And um, in many ways, the movie is a... Um, it's hard to say that it's, that it's necessary. I mean, it is a critique of, of Vietnam, of the attitudes maybe in the military of Vietnam, but it's really not about... Um, it's not about the war so much. Uh, it's, it's a little, it's much more about sort of the human element of, um, you know, essentially what was talked about in the, in the book, which is, um, going, you know, meeting, um, journeying through savagery, um, and coming out a savage on the other side, essentially. Um, and I think, I mean, I think the movie is pretty brilliant in a lot of ways um visually i think the movie is like one of the most stunning um movies ever made it really looks so beautiful um every shot is just there's something vibrant and new happening um but then on a sort of moral and philosophical level um there is something very captivating about the movie it's it's very like trance-like in a lot of ways Um, and so you sort of go through, um, you like go through a shift in mindset throughout the movie, um, where, you know, you start off sort of 
very wary of of Captain Willard. Um, not sure about sort of the intentions of the military. Everything is suspicious to you in some ways. And then as you go up the river, as as you sort of journey with these characters, things become less and less clear, but more and more um, elemental in a lot of ways. They become sort of stripped down to their base layers. And that there's a last sort of beautiful sequence with Marlon Brando um, where you are, you know, essentially being, you know, you, the audience and Captain Willard are being tempted, um, by sort of this seductive, um, uh, uh, sort of crazed, um, elemental, like state of nature kind of being where he's, you know, um, Brando's character is essentially, you know, he's his, his argument is that this is like where man is. This is what man is. You know, this is this is where we live, um, you know, and we have we have this in in our hearts. Um, and there's very some there's something very, very deep about um, about the movie in that way. Uh, but I would love to know what you uh, thought of the movie because it's it's kind of complicated and as a war movie it certainly works on that level but I think it's much more than than just a war movie personally yeah I think the first thing I really enjoyed about the film was the setup I think like kind of this driving journey and the anticipation of what is to come and what they're going to find and kind of the structure of the film, as you were saying, like it's becoming more and more apocalyptic as they're moving up the river. Like I found that really engaging. I think there was a certain point that kind of began to, I don't know. Like it was like, it's not that it was going too far. It was that it felt like it was going a little off the rails um, towards the mm. end. I mean, right? yeah, it does go off the rails. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but it wasn't doing it in the way that I was anticipating. Like, I was kind of expecting it to get, like, really, like, just strange. But it goes off the rails in the sense where, like, instead of it getting more, like, ultra violent and more, like, kind of psycho ish it becomes strangely like like trippy almost and very mm -hmm. like introspective about like like what's the point of all of this you know um but it also does it in the form of like i the plot device is like captivity right so all of that is explored in captivity right um so i don't necessarily dislike the film there's a lot that i liked about it i found that ending to be less of a kind of you know like euphoric moment where i was like wow like i'm just really my mind is like really starting to open up and i found it to be a little bit more pretentious like towards the end where i was like what are we getting at here? Because I'm not entirely sure. Like I, 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 it felt like it was coming out of left field a little bit for me. I was like, this doesn't seem, it doesn't feel exactly the direction that the movie was going to go. 
you know? Um, and it also does that thing that I think a lot of narratives do. And I just looked up, um, heart of darkness. Uh, that's what it's called, right? The book. Yeah. Um, cause I, it sounds really familiar. I feel like I've read it or my classmates read it around me. Um, and it's a very like, not it, it, it the ending of this movie feels very much like a book's ending where it's like posing a question and meant to be chewed on, you know? I think where I was a little bit um, at odds with that as a viewer is that I found the opening to be such a compelling Vietnam movie, right? Like the opening is is very like kind of quirky, crazy, like, um, and it's still deep, right? I think there's like a... Uh, a very critical view of like some of the commanding soldiers and the violence that's taking place. It's very serious, but it's still quite like enjoyable to watch. It feels kind of sarcastic in the way that it's per representing the characters where yeah, I, I think the scene with the surfing is just incredible. <laughs> so like just funny. what a scene. What a scene, you know? <laughs> if I say it's safe to surf on this beach, it's safe to surf. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like, there's the like the bombs going off in the water and the surf guy, the guy flies <laughs> off the surf. Yeah. I was like, this is like really fun. Like this whole sequence. And it's also saying something, right? It's yeah. over dramatic, but it's also being like, something's not quite right with the chain of command, right? It really shows kind of the difference of like the small soldiers who want to get home versus, you know, the commanders who are kind of self-interested in like well, some who, of these other... Who love it, who are like excited by it. I mean, he yeah. says at the end, like the end of that scene is him saying, someday this war will end. And then walking away sadly, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, and, and it's like, yeah, they, they, you know, Kilgore is sort of the epitome of like, he, he's there for adventure almost. Um, he want he likes it. Um, he thinks it's, he thinks it's fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so I think there was, that was kind of drawn in by those those characters and sort of the different uh, motivations by the crew on the boat. And you kind of become more and more separated from that conversation. But I do agree with you, Cameron, that the film lets you sort of flow between thought um, throughout the film. And it does this thing when like, like, after some of the characters are dying, especially after the spear death on the boat towards the end, um, it really gets like, like you really begin to disconnect from that mission in the mm. first place of like, who is the general? And when you meet him, he's mysterious, but he's also, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't find him very likable. I don't know if you're supposed to find him likable. Um, I don't I did, think so. I literally just didn't know how to feel about him. Do mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I'm like, yeah. well, he's not, he is crazy, but he's not, I don't know. Like, I just, I was kind of confused where I was supposed to land emotionally. 
as an like like as an audience member towards the end of the movie because you know the general isn't this evil adversary and he's not really a good person either he's kind of that gray middle um but there's not really a charisma with him there's more of a religious sternness about him mm, yeah that's kind yeah, of yeah. like um not 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 very likable <laughs> on screen you know um and so his you know his death comes about and the ending is very like i don't i i just towards the end i was like okay you know like that's kind of just how i felt about it i was like okay well the movie ended and that was it you know like i was like it kind of took me into a place i didn't expect but why i'm not entirely sure and maybe i haven't had enough time to chew on it but i wasn't really it was weird the credits rolled and i wasn't even really excited or contemplating i was like okay <laughs> i got up and left you know i was like i'm i'm done I, I was like well that movie's done and i'm gonna walk away from it and that's just what it is you know yeah um i think i i think my favorite aspects of the film were the visuals and the kind of those opening bits and you know there's there's some fun uh but still potent anti-war messaging at the beginning i just yeah i didn't <laughs> i don't know there's like an there's like a kind of an eastern meditation thing that happens towards the end and maybe it's a personal preference but like the only thing i could the, what weirdly i was thinking about like far cry 3 watching this this movie well i think that's kind of funny because i think far cry 2 is also based on heart of darkness right Um, so but my my thought is in those games is like they use like there's like this spiritual tribal aspect of of those games where it's like you are a war a warrior shooting guns very commando-esque in the jungle right um but then there's like all this like you are one with the people now and you'll have face paint and tattoos. And that's usually my least favorite part of the game. Not because I'm like, I don't know. I'm just like, this is just almost kind of like, it's almost like a trope to me at this point, you know? Um, And maybe this movie was something that started that. I'm not sure, but I was like, I'm just never, I'm never compelled by this too much i found everything in that scene to be uh what what i was excited about the mystery kind of fell flat and i was just met by you know bald religious guy spouting things about you know war and a really obnoxious photographer who might have been on the spectrum you know like i was like what is this dude? or like, on what is speed it? or something yeah yeah. Knows, yeah i was like okay you know I, I, I was like, this is an interesting turn of events and then it ends. And I was like, you know, maybe there is something good or deep being explored, but I kind of in a guilty sense, I was like, I, you know, if he was just going to kill him, I almost wish it was like something more exciting than this, you know? Well, okay. So um, that's kind of interesting because that that was something that originally in the Milius the Milius script, um, there was going to be this sort of um, large battle sequence um, 
and you know sort of as as an ending and uh he he decided to completely cut all of that because he said one we're not the it's the ending is not going to be better than the ride of the valkyries scene you know what i mean like you know yeah. how in in you know we were talking about last week um that in saving private ryan the ending feels much more exciting and and sort of even even more so engaging than the opening sequence which is still great you know it kind of um bump bumped it up a notch um but he he was basically arguing that if he ended it in the way that um you know the milius script had designed it wasn't going to sort of live up to that and he he was he was also a little bit rejecting the um sort of hollywoodization of um of the ending and and so i think it was an intentional bucking of um that sort of exciting you know action-packed ending partially i think because of sort of the maybe the anti-war message but also i think I think they were pretty much writing the ending in real time as they were filming as well. Um, so I think I think the ending. You're you're right in saying that um, the ending. Well, I don't know because I think I think parts of the ending are really really excellent, um, but it it doesn't feel quite as tight as as some of the other parts of the movie. Um, and in some ways. I, so I, I sort of understand that, um, but I think he was conflicted in a lot of ways with how he should end a movie like this, um, which fair enough, I think. I mean, I think it's a, yeah, I think he was most self-conscious about the ending of this movie, actually. Um, and he had no, he basically didn't know what he wanted to do, um, and so, so I think, I think there's a, it's fair to say like, um, the ending didn't connect with you because I'm, I'm sure for a lot of people probably at the time and maybe nowadays, um, the ending doesn't quite work for them. Cause it's not sort of, it's maybe it's not as, um, yeah, maybe it, maybe it's not sort of as traditional or as, as structured as, as it could be. Um, because it was, you know, essentially a lot of it was, was improvised. A lot of the dialogue was improvised. Um, the Marlon Brando stuff, um, which is, which is kind of, yeah, I mean, there was, there was a lot of, um, turmoil when it came to the, uh, the ending of, of this movie, but. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I just, I found it to kind of be the weakest point of the movie, because not because I didn't like kind of the way they were swinging the plot, but I there's like this inner monologue from the captain throughout the whole movie, kind of struggling with ideology around the war effort and what his part to play in that is, right? Mm-hmm. And I think. I would have been more interested if there was some sort of exploration of that ideology, but with like an adversary, you know, I don't even need a big battle. I just wanted to see something that was a dramatic climax, you know? And I think that this movie, although it is like, kind of dramatic, I found the ending to be sort of like, 
so we sat through all that preaching and now he's just going to kill him. Like, did we have to sit through all that? You know, like I don't really, I didn't even really understand what exactly the bald dude was saying. You know, (laughs) I was like, this is just kind of, he's just kind of blah, blah, blah around, you know, like, and it's, I don't know. Like I would have liked there to be more of a clear stance instead of a drug trip stance. You know, um, I felt the, the ending statements could have been, um, further enhanced by a clashing of ideologies, like two mindsets fighting with each other. But the captain is sort of a flat character that you're following it as the audience. You know, he he's kind of the witness of the events throughout the film instead of being a um an opinionated character he even is question like he's basically just like i'm watching all this unfold and i'm not entirely sure like he's just kind of like what you know like he's just kind of like well i think uh, i think willard kind of um agrees with him in some ways or is i think i think willard one he doesn't want to give out his um his position uh to to the colonel but I think at the same time, he, um, you know, when the colonel's going on about how sort of the, um, he talks about like the v- I knew that we were going to lose this war because the Viet Cong um, were so much stronger, uh, stronger men, essentially. You know, I I I um, our boys, you know, f- fight for four years and go home, you know, in order to go home, they they either, you know, die or or win. Um, you know, and so like, I think, I think in some ways, I think Willard kind of understands, understands what caused Colonel Kurtz to go, um, a little bit crazy and to, to sort of lose his grip on, um, reality and the institutions. And I think, I think the earlier parts of the movie where Willard is sort of observing this, um, kind of insanity grow and grow, um, I I think I think his he's his um like he I think he can empathize in a lot of ways with with what um with what Kurtz is is sort of feeling and I I like the fact that throughout the movie you go through sort of um you know n- you're you're in um you're in Saigon originally and sort of that's buttoned up, but everybody is like a little bit tense, a little bit sort of on edge. And then you go to, uh, you know, the, the, the river, uh, boat and then, um, you know, to the Kilgore sequence and the further and further up people are getting more and more, um, crazy. And so you've, you've like the end is like basically where it leads to is the the Colonel Kurtz position, which is essentially just brute force and brutality is, you know, what people respect the most, essentially. And so um it's inevitable. It I think I think Willard is sort of um on one hand, by killing Kurtz, he's accepting the premise. Um and on the so so it's like he he can't win either way like colonel kurtz's position wins uh in the end even though he's he kills him um if that makes sense 
Yeah, yeah, I just... Like... Yeah, I don't know. I'm... I hear your interpretation. I'm like, I guess that makes sense. But when I watched it, I was like, could have just bombed it, I guess. You know, could have just bombed the, the place where the general was, you know? Well, they uh, they tried to. Um, and then they, I, they I, killed no, no, the... No, I'm, uh, I'm not saying that the characters didn't try to. I was like, why didn't they just do that? You know? Well, they killed... Uh, Kurtz kills um the he kills Chef, remember? Yeah, yeah. No, I I do I do yeah. remember that. I just but also they weren't supposed to bomb the um the the thing anyways because they weren't supposed to be in Cambodia, so they couldn't leave a tr- a trace essentially. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I I like again. I think that plot. Sh- structure of like leading into insanity is cool I don't I just don't know I don't know why the ending for me was just so like bleh, like not too interesting it's yeah I mean I, c- I kind of get it, it I think you know? I think it's because it's it's just um a little bit out there in terms of you know if you're thinking about it in terms of sort of the typical narrative structure, um, you know, you don't, you don't get really anything, um, anything like that in the end, it is much more like the, um, you know, like a novel. Um, so I, I understand. I mean, and, and I think the ambiguity, um, in the ending, it, it, it might like, it might feel slightly anticlimactic um because of the fact that there's there's so much there's lots of exciting things that happen throughout the movie and the excitement sort of um quiets down uh, in the end um which is not a bad thing it's not a criticism on my end but i i can understand why um it could be anticlimactic for for people so. Well, let's talk a little bit about the visuals, um, yeah. because I think they not only are st- like very stunning throughout the film, but I was sort of like taken back on how they were using like opacity and kind of layering different mm. shots on top of each other to be like this. Like, like the thing I was thinking about is like, you know, like, do you see the vase or the two old men? looking at each other do you know what i mean yeah that's kind of the imagery i was getting from the way they chose to edit and cut the different shots and i've recently got into this kind of music um called like shoegaze or dream pop i know Uh, it's like yeah yeah, i'm probably not in the the like shoegaze hardcore which is like white noise with electric guitars (laughs) right Um, i I really like a band called death haven um, okay. If you know them, they made a no. uh, they made an album called Sunbather that is just absolutely stunning. So you should you should if you like that, um, you gotta you gotta listen to to Sunbather. It's really good. I've got it on vinyl. Okay, cool. Yeah, there's like a more approachable version of shoegaze, which I mean, I like the hard grungy stuff too. Some of it it can be really cool, but um, it's more ambient and poppy. Uh, so it's like dreamscape very much like kind of wild. And I've been watching this channel 
that is kind of into that lately on YouTube, but everything that they do is like interspliced footage, recoloring, like warping frame rates down on top of things that of their guitar. Like it'll be like flowers in, you know, 16 frames a second. But then two clips are like layered behind that, the same exact thing. So there's like multi colors going on. Like it's, it's, it's very um, visually kind of, like intriguing right what i found about this movie is that like um i the the visuals reminded me of some of the music i've been listening to but it also does it in a way more like chill way where it's like it's like it like there are moments where i felt like there was a shot that was fading in but then it would kind of choose to then go away and go into a completely different scene you Mm. know what i mean yeah um And so you kind of begin to like flow as you're watching this movie, um, which I think is stylistically cool. I don't know if it like goes hand in hand with the plot per se, because like it seems to be getting more and more chaotic. But then there's this shift of like into trippy, like you're like, don't you don't even know like where it's going anymore towards the end. Right. so, yeah, it's sort of like I I, I found the visuals to be awesome. So much smoke, uh, so much colored smoke. I'm like, yeah. wow, this is this is a very unique thing. It kind of reminds me of Coldplay, right? You know, where <laughs> they, they, they especially that scene where he's like spinning the purple smoke on the boat and stuff. Look at me, purple haze. <laughs> yeah, I was like, whoa, man! Like this is this is very cool looking. Um, and the way that the way that they utilize the helicopters in the opening scenes with the yellow flares or or the smoke flares and. Um, it was very methodical where they're like, we're going to throw these, I don't even know if they did that in the war, but like, we're going to throw these colored smoke dispense things on the ground. And then the helicopter just like throws the smoke in a certain direction. Um, it's just, it's just incredible, you know, very incredible looking that whole opening scene. There's even like a moment where there's like actual like fire smoke, like black smoke that like does a turbine twirl Mm. with the helicopter going through it. (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh, like I don't know how they even do anything like that. That looked uh, like very real, you know? I mean, it was Um, real. Yeah. All of that. Yeah. All of, I mean, everything, that's kind of the the funny thing about this movie is like, yes, obviously it had a big budget. Um, I think, you know, like $40 million budget or something. Um, but they were basically treating it like they were indie filmmakers. So like they were shooting things that were like real at the time. And, um, you know, with, with the explosions and with everything, you know, that, that, that all obviously was, was set up, but, um, there was no, you know, that was all practical, you know, they were, they were doing it for real and sort of, um, you know, the helic, everything in the helicopters is, is really in a helicopter. There's no green screens or anything, you know? So, so just some amazing, um, see, I, what I love is I think the blocking of this movie is really insanely good, um, for how sort of seemingly (laughs) like haphazard the, the production was, um, everything about the, like the, the layers to, where people are and sort of how people are separated um even the how like the the helicopters are flying in the the ride of the valkyrie scene you know you're like 
you're like, oh my goodness, like this is so insanely, um, insanely beautiful. Um, and yeah, the visual sense of like where things are placed in the frame. Um, and going back to sort of what you're talking about with the, you know, with the long sort of layered exposures and, uh, you know, the, um, blending of these, you know, frames, like there's a moment and it's, I mean, it's basically the beginning of the movie the, you know, the, he, he's sort of lying on the, on the bed and, and the fan and you're hearing a helicopter and you're seeing the tree line and there's like four things happening in the frame at once. Um, but you're sort of intuitively, um, get understanding it all. And you're sort of feeling the, um, the, there's like a dreaminess to, to, to the way that it flows. Um, but then in other sequences, like when they cross the bridge or, you know, they're cro crossing under the bridge and sort of, um, there's the crazed, um, soldiers who are, you know, firing into, in, into nothing essentially. And they don't know, uh, where the enemy is and they're sort of being lit by these floating flares. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just so, um, it's so gorgeous and scary at the same time. Like it feels, it feels tense because things will go into, into just black, you know, the, the frame will just be, um, will just be black. And then, it, you know, the light will come from one side of someone's face and then, you know, g go out. And it's just like the use of light. So Vittorio uh, Storera, I think is this how you say his name. Sorry. I'm not Italian. Um, he um uh also shot the godfather um uh and i think you can kind of tell um how much the i don't know how much the um use of of light and use actually sorry i i lied he did not shoot the godfather that was gordon willis um my bad he but he did shoot um um did he work for him? No, I get, yeah, I guess he, he had never, he had never worked for, um, uh, he had never worked for, for Coppola before. So, but he's an Italian, um, uh, cinematographer and just, yeah, the, the use of light is, um, just so, so gorgeous and very, um, very extreme on both ends. You know, there's lots of darkness and then lots of really like bright high key, uh, like the playboy, uh, bunny sequence where there, you know, it's like there's light from every direction and it's like streaking through the, uh, you know, through the lens. And it's like, so it feels like it's like so bright. Um, yeah. I want to talk about, um, so, so you brought up the, um, you brought up the editing and I know we talked about this guy before, but Walter Murch, um, he did the editing of this movie. Um, remember when I, I saw it a couple, it was probably like two months ago or whatever. I saw this right, movie, right. um, in theaters and he was there and he did a, um, he did a Q and a, and he was, um, he, also edited Jarhead. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's interesting sort of just his connection to all this, but, um, 
there were um what did you think about the the sound of this movie because i think the sound of this movie is insane and so good um i don't know if you you noticed anything about it i didn't notice it so i'd probably say it's very good <laughs> you know um for being an older movie right i think um all of the everything around the like people in terms of like explosions weapons firing like it all sounded correct right like it sounded like what it should sound like um but beyond that i wasn't really i didn't really notice anything in particular that i was like oh man those helicopter blades sound so good you know yeah so so um the only reason i bring it up is because it it's a pioneer in the way that sound mixing was done um and it was actually the first movie not even just the first movie but it basically invented the standard of 5.1 surround sound that we have today um mm. so the you know Walter Murch and some of the other sound editors this is one of the things that he talked about during the Q&A he was like um we need we wanted something that felt like it it like punched you like the the explosions were coming from from sort of all around you and you couldn't get that with a monaural um or binaural track and so you know we split the the track into um layers and put them in different speakers and we had to create essentially a system in theaters um where it would be played back in sort of the correct uh positions um, and that ended up being 5.1 surround sound. And so, yeah. um, it's super interesting because we obviously still use that, but I was, I was noticing just how well things were separated and how, how deep the sound layers went. Um, my, it was a, a professor who worked at SF state. Um, her name's Pat Jackson. She also worked on, on the, um, the movie as well. And uh, in the sound department and she was, she was talking about how it was like the whole movie was mixed, um, separately in that one person was taking sort of like, if it had to do with nature or like a background layer of like, you know, crickets or, you know, for, uh, jungle sounds that was, you know, one person's job, or if it had to do with explosions or gunshots, you know, that was another person's job. So everybody had sort of this separate key and that's why i think it all sort of layers um very very beautifully mm. um and yeah i one thing um one more thing before we sort of move on from the technical aspect of it um this movie is sort of infamous for going through many many revisions <clears throat> not just um not just, you know, around the time that it was released. So it at the the Cannes Film Festival when it won the Palme d'Or, I I believe it was not actually the theatrical release that was shown. It was it was some it was a different um release. But he went back and he re-released a really largely extended version called um Apocalypse Now Redux. Um, that added sort of a, a large sequence um, to 
there was a, there's a big sequence that is totally cut out of the movie um, called the French Plantation sequence, and basically it's after it's after I think um, it's after Clean uh, gets killed. They sort of float down and they arrive at at this um, very like classically French sort of fifties style plantation um, where they're having like a, you know, a normal dinner and they, they, you know, I think the line is like, they, they felt like ghosts. Um, it felt like, like we ran into ghosts essentially, like they're not supposed to be there. And um, so the whole sequence, um, the reason why he cut it was because he hated the, the actors that he could get because they wouldn't pay to, to fly people in from France. They were actual, you know, Vietnamese, um, French Vietnamese people. And so it was, or, you know, it maybe not French Vietnamese people, but they were French people in the surrounding area. So he was right. really unhappy with, with the acting. Um, but at the same time, I do kind of, the sequence is too long. Um, I was remembering it in, cause the last one that the last version I watched was the final cut. Um, the sequence is too long, but I do like the, the premise of it. And I think there's some, some really interesting moments, um, uh, in it sort of take, it takes you out of sort of the, the, um, the river cruise element. And you know how you're sort of going up and and it's getting crazier and crazier. Um, this point is like the last point before um, you really go deep. Um, and so it's it's almost like a look back of like this is normality. You know, this is a normal sort of French living. Um, you know, people are here are are not. Um, uh, you know, they're not crazy, but they are still a little bit, you know, there's, there's a hint of crazy behind the eyes. Um, mm -hmm. but you know, they feel like they're, they're sort of back in time, um, before everything goes downhill. So I do like the premise of the, um, of that sequence. Should it be in there? I don't know. It's, it's okay. It's, it's, I feel like it's, it's maybe not as, relevant and i think the the final or the theatrical cut is much more tight this the script is much more tight than the the other two um but i also like the the final cut um final cut is pretty good but for the most part i think if you're planning to watch the movie watch the the theatrical release that's what I yeah i'd say the the pace of the movie and everything um I really appreciated uh, on, on this viewing, probably up until like um, the spear death. Even even them arriving to the weird Aztec looking village thing, you know, um, I I don't know. Like the, I, it was like the last half hour that really began to kind of. I was like, okay, let's get this done. You know, like whatever's going to happen, let's get it to happen. And I th I think what was weird is that it ended with him killing it, it ended with him killing the um the whoever it was, the general, right? Um the colonel. The colonel, sorry. Yeah. He ended up killing the colonel 
And I was like, well, that was, isn't that why he came? You know, like it was weird that it wasn't something different that happened. But I know like they, they were trying to explore like the brutality and like, you know, all that stuff. I was just like, I don't know. I found the ending to be a lot more boring than the rest of the movie. Um, and maybe it's thought provoking, but it sure was boring for me. So, um, do I still think you should watch this movie? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think the ride of the Valkyrie scene is like, I, I was just laughing the whole time. Cause I thought it was so, I, I was like, this is the iconic scene, you know, like I've, yeah. I, this has been referenced so much, you know, I'm, and it's I'm way better than it. I know it's been parodied, you know, over and over again. But it's one of those sequences where you go back and you're like, wow, this is like way better than any parody could ever, you know, do it justice, essentially. You know, you know, when you have that moment of like um, you see some it's in pop culture, it's like iconic um, and you're right. like, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, um, it's uh, it's just the ride of the Valkyrie sequence. And then you see it and you're like blown away because of how good it is. <laughs> you know, like that's that's mm-hmm. what I feel about that about that sequence. Yeah, I think one of the things that I noticed was the core, like this was like one of the moments I was like, this is absurd, is they were shooting a machine gun out of the helicopter at like, you know, some some of the Vietnamese people were like falling into their deaths, right? Um, I was like, how did they sink that? <laughs> like, how did he shoot over the gunner? Usually in a movie, it would be like you, they show the gunner, right? They yeah, would shoot like yeah, yeah. kind of a medium shot you can see the gunner's like belt and he's holding the gun and he's shooting out of the helicopter then it cuts to the people falling no this scene is like over his shoulder and you're like watching people get gunned down like it's like <laughs> what like how did they even like sync that up correctly you yeah know? um so yeah that 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 scene is amazing it kind of keeps going too like I, I think there's that initial assault but it kind of like it continues in a really satisfying way too with like, Oh, take out that, that Jeep on the bridge and okay, let's land on the beach and the napalm strip. Like all of it, all of it is like, is per- is perfect. You know, it's so yeah. good. Um, yeah. And then the journey and the mystery and the excitement about who the Colonel is going to be and what, what's even going on there. Um, although the mystery and the reveal and the ending wasn't, what I wanted to see or what I was expecting, or I found it to be a little anticlimactic. Um, it's still, the journey is, is great. And I love, I, I think what's crazy to me is that the ride of the Valkyrie scene, I love, but the scene with the flares on the bridge, like that almost rivaled it. I was like, this is like, this is a stunning moment in this movie. You know, um, I found that scene to be really, uh, kind of like on the razor's edge, right? Um, I was like, I really just, I want to know what's going to happen. Are we going to see guys coming out of the trees? Like, why is everybody kind of nuts here? You know, like, <laughs> it's just really, uh, really interesting. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, overall, I still recommend this movie. I still think it's good. I think you got to see it once. Um, I don't know, like the, because my, my viewing, I'm thinking about the godfather right now you know i don't know i just i don't know if i get like coppola's thing yet i don't i don't understand him yet maybe i'll come around to it but uh this movie definitely didn't make me a believer and the and the godfather movies didn't which i know 
is just sacrilegious to admit. (laughs) But I, I like truthfully, like I felt more. Yeah. I, this movie, I think I liked the most out of the three that I've seen by him. Um, but maybe it's close up with like Godfather part two. Um, yeah, I still think Godfather part two is, yeah, that, that one and this one are pretty neck and neck for me. And part one, I don't know. (laughs) I just, I still don't, I still was so surprised how, how I, I was bored in that movie or it didn't resonate with me. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think that's one I don't that, know. to revisit in our um, in our look back uh, month or whatever. Probably, probably. I still think that my interpretation of those movies of like I understood the first movie, but I didn't feel it, and I felt the second movie, but I didn't understand it. Like <laughs> I'm like that's one of my best lines on the show. You know, that's like I think that's genuinely how maybe some people feel about those films. So I don't feel alone in saying that. Yeah. Um, and I'd rather, I guess I'd rather feel it than understand it, you know? Um, although I know that you had, you said that there's like a lot of emotion and resonance with the Godfather in a second, on a second watching. So, yeah. Um, and I think, I actually think this movie is one that sort of hits, hits on both levels in, in that there is both the narrative element that is very engaging and then the i think the feeling element of the movie it's it's so experiential i mean it it really yeah, is yeah um it i mean as as much as the narrative is important and is sort of helpful to the structure of the movie and really works well um i think the um the feeling element of this movie is so um so much like bigger it's so it's larger than life really i mean if it's yeah, it's insanely um, experiential, which I, I love those movies, too. I, you know, talking about men, that's a movie that I don't really even understand what it's trying to do. But um, <laughs> but I the experience of the movie is sort of what kept me engaged um, more than anything. So I will say that I felt like for Coppola, like this movie starts where the feeling and the understanding are like pair and pair. Yeah. You know, I was like, I'm feeling this. I'm understanding it, you know, and like around that halfway point up until the bridge and then the spear death and stuff, I'm like, I'm still feeling it. I don't know if like, and I'm understanding it. And then as soon as they get kind of off the deep end with, you know, kind of that, like, I don't know, like, like brutal, but like calm, like city that's run by the Colonel. Um, I was like, I understand it, I think, and I'm starting to, like, not feel it, but it's, like, this very strange, like, the movie is starts very fast, or it feels like it's kind of moving fast, and then, like, at towards the end, it's like you're kind of, like, crawling to the ending of the movie, and I don't know, I was like, I'm feeling something, but it's not what I expected to feel. I feel really like it feels very like not it doesn't feel that exciting mm. at the end where so much of the movie has felt so exciting, you know? Yeah. Um so I think that's kind of like my only 
um, gripe with the movie as it's my first viewing, you know, and I didn't really know what to expect. Um, I have a feeling this movie I will come around to. Uh, I think it's one of those movies that like you sort of contemplate on, maybe you watch it again and it starts to like click because as you describe it and sort of you've had the time to interpret the ending, um, like your, your read into the film's conclusion is I think like very, I mean, it it brings a lot of brilliance to the movie Uh, and I don't think it's wrong either. Right. I don't think there's anything wrong with a movie that has to be chewed on for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I'm not there yet and I don't know when I'll be there, but maybe someday, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't know for me, I, I had to, I had to think about the movie. I'm sure. I mean, I, I think I saw it first in high school and then, twice in college and another time in the theater. And then this, yeah, this is my fifth time. So I've had a lot of time to sort of think about it and contemplate it. Um, And to be honest, it just gets better and better um, for me. Like I like it more and more. It's kind of a weird movie like that. Like um, everything that is exciting in the, uh, when you see it the first time, is more exciting the second time and everything that is kind of boring the first time is also more exciting the second time. You know, it just, it just sort of elevates, um, over time, at least for me, it did. Um, so maybe, maybe that'll happen to you. I mean, I know it's a long movie, so it's not one that you, you just put on for fun necessarily, but, um, I would definitely recommend, um, you know, seeing it again and, and chewing on it a little more, but, um, I guess I recommend that to, to all of the movies that, that you don't like. So <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think my my attitude towards this movie is much more optimistic though. I'm like, yeah. oh, you know, like I I'll, I'll I come think around you don't to I, it. I it's not that you don't like this movie. I think you you didn't care for the ending, but for the most part, you seemed like you enjoyed it. Uh yeah, I would say that. I would I yeah, overall it's it's very good. Very very good. Yeah. Um yeah, very different than, you know, Saving Private Ryan as well. Um, yeah, so. kind of on the opposite spectrum, right? Yeah, there's um, there's definitely much more hope in Saving Private Ryan <laughs> for the state of humanity and yeah. their, pers- their, their um, struggles in war. But but World War II is a very different war, you know? It's, I, I, I do think that there is a guerrilla aspect to Vietnam that yes, it's present in world war two, right. With civilians being in the line of fire and things like that. But there was strangely uh, uh, like the generational difference. I I don't know. Like there's, there seems to be a, a major difference in, in kind of like, um, war crimes, you know, is <laughs> probably the best. Maybe. Like it seems like, like Vietnam has sort of, War crimes that aren't declassified. There's something about that war that's like very secretive still. Um, and it feels like pop culture has critiqued that aggressively. Mm-hmm. Whereas, yeah. and, and and I think the other thing to consider with Vietnam is, you know, Hollywood makes movies. Hollywood is in America and Vietnam is one of the few wars that the United States has lost, Right. 
or it's considered a stain on military reputation, whereas World War II, hey, man, that's when every country came for money to rebuild. That's when we won. Their, <laughs> yeah, that's when the, the yeah. banks yeah, you're checked right. out, man. Like they, they, they got all the gold in the world, you know? Um, so I think there's a much different perspective on the outcomes of the war and sort of the feeling of, of hero is like heroism in, in, in those, um, in that conflict. And it's a, it's a much more ambiguous war, um, uh, morally gray in terms of, um, you know, whether or not we should have gone, but also morally gray in that, um, it feels, um, like, uh, the fact that we don't really know what to call it, a win or a loss. I mean, it's obviously not a win, but, um, to call it a loss or whatever, you know, we want to do to call it a war even is a little questionable. Um, obviously it was, but, um, you know, there's like, there's many, uh, uh, gray and fuzzy things, ambiguous things about Vietnam, whereas World War II, in the popular conception, it's very cut and dry. Um, it's very cut and dry. At least from the, yeah, from the American perspective, right? I sure. I, I I don't know. There's also something about the commentary about you know like soldiers and the military and war in this movie that I was kind of like it. It felt a little less like it was acknowledging some of the humanity that some of the, like the soldiers would have. I I mean, this is just me. Maybe I was reading it wrong, but it did feel like most of the military characters on screen were pretty stupid throughout the movie. Um, and it's not that there isn't a love for them, you know, but they are seen pretty, um, pretty dumb. And I didn't, I don't know. Like, I'm like, I'm sure that there's some bad eggs, but there, I, I like when, um, you know, like you can show the, the, like, there's gotta be a spectrum of IQ and character <laughs> in the military. It can't just be every soldier is, is kind of stupid. Yeah. And, yeah. I, you know? Well, and so I think, well, this I movie mean, does, I mean, I have think that in it, I think Willard, um, is not, is not stupid. Um, he's very, he's obviously very hungry for war. Um, but he feels like he's, he's like troubled. He's not stupid, you know, but all of the, all the other ones, I mean, they're, they're kids. And then, um, I think the boat, uh, boat captain, what's his name? Um, I forget. He's not stupid either. And he has like this, um, kind of interesting, back and forth where it feels like he's like a little bit dad. Uh, but you know, he's not so strict and he kind of lets people, um, breathe a little bit. Um, and you know, in the end he, he suffers for it, but, um, but I mean, I, I kind of agree that the kids are a little stupid, um, which, you know, fair enough. I mean, they're like, um, uh, What's his name? Uh, Mr. Clean. I mean, he's supposed to be 17, you know, um, whatever else. So um, interesting thing about that is uh, Lawrence Fishburne, um, who is 
um, named Larry Fishburne in the credits, but you know, is now Lawrence Fishburne. He was, um, 14 when this movie started filming, he was 14. And I think there's rumors that, um, that they, uh, they got, they got hit, the crew got him addicted to heroin <laughs> on the making of this movie. Oh my gosh. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that's true necessarily, but, uh, this movie was absolutely troubled. You should watch um, Hearts of Darkness if you get a chance. It's really, really interesting. So, hmm. yeah, I think my the only thought I wanted to go with with the um, kind of like military representation is I think we've watched a lot of movies that balance like soldier personalities and outlooks um, in a masterful way where there's a lot you can say a lot about. I mean, I think Full Metal Jacket is awesome at that and i think saving private ryan is awesome at that and as far as vietnam movies go i remember really liking some of the representation in platoon because there are the bad eggs but they're also like those heroic characters or the smarter characters right um i think you need a mix in there and i i know maybe some people might disagree that they're like well this movie has a mix you know but i found that um willard is more of like the binoculars you're looking through you know he's kind of just the guy that's he he's not really even to me like in my mind i'm like he doesn't seem too much like a character he's kind of just you're being pulled along by him he's like next to you and explaining or exploring what's even going on right and through through you like through him the audience feels like they are like willard you know where they're a little bit smarter, you know, they're a little bit like they're they're I don't know, there's something about that with Willard's character where it's like, you know, I can see the grotesqueness for what it is. I can see the violence for what it is. Like Willard it seems to be the only one acknowledging that. And everyone else is kind of a goofball or, you know, a violent killer or a dumb soldier running after, you know, the bunny girl or the bunny girls that show up, you know, like it's all like very, um, I don't know. I, I found it to be kind of typical Hollywood, you know, is kind of how I felt about it. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I, I think there are other movies that handle it in a much more, in a much more like contemplative way. Uh, where the audience really begins to think about like things. So I, yeah, I don't know this movie. I think it wants to, it it is saying something and I would have preferred. I don't know. I think I would have preferred the movie to have said it more ambiguously um, because it kind of like it's ending statements are what I've interpreted they don't like yes they're interesting yes they're kind of deep but they're not that deep and <laughs> you know like I, I didn't find them overly like profound you know and and maybe again it just comes back to really sitting on it more 
But Cameron, what would you say is like the most profound thing from this movie's ending statements? And in just your opinion, I'm not saying you have to be correct in your interpretation. I just, I'm curious because I'm not entirely sure how much leeway you have in interpretation in what it's trying to say. And I also don't know if it's what it's trying to say is really all that special. You know, the movie is special. I don't know if what it's trying to say is. Um, yeah, I, is it not special? I don't know. I mean, I think I think it's trying to hit on the same thing that um, the the book is trying to hit on, which is that in the in the deepest part of our of our core, our being, um, there's a uh, there's a savagery to to what we to what we love and to what we want to accomplish. Um, and I think, I think, uh, isn't there a line in the beginning? Um, the, uh, the general or whatever, um, who he's talking to early on, he talks about, um, there's a, there's a razor blades edge between, um, good and evil that runs through every man's heart. Um, and I think, I mean, I don't think that's, um, it's it's not a necessarily unique idea, um, but I certainly think it's deep. I I think there's there's plenty of. Um, I mean that's that was what I was saying with, uh, um, with Full Metal Jacket too, where um, the thing that you like about war movies is that they are violent, um, but they can say that they uh are anti-war but you really kind of like it because um they're showing people killing people and you know things exploding um and so you know I, on some level uh even the most anti-war movies are still very um engaging because you want to um like they're exciting to you you know you have this sense that they they um, they hit on something sort of deep and uh, uh, like innate in your mind about, you know, the way that you, you know, see these things like the violence and, and sort of the um, intensity of the moment. So, um, I mean, but I it, obviously that's not that's not a unique thing. Like that's that's the whole point of. um what is it? The, uh, uh, I, I guess it's like kind of Eastern spiritualism. Um, that's a very common theme in that, but, um, what is the, uh, the, the yin and yang? Um, isn't that like what that's all about? Um, the good and, and the evil sides. And there's a, the dot that exists in both of each because, you know, the, the good or the evil can come out of both. Um, so, yeah, I don't yeah, I don't know. I cuz I understood that last statement about like you know, like there's just this inherent savagery, you know. That to me is like one of those statements that if I read the actual book I would be like, "Oh, brother," you know? Like I mean, like I get it. I get that like it's like, "Oh, like we're we're really saying something deep here." But I'm like it's pretty easy 
and this is just me going on a personal rant at this point, but it's like, it's probably easy for this scholar writer to sit in his chair and say something like that. You know, it feels, it feels very separated from the actual events of like whatever people went through in the, in either, you know, war or from the stories that, you know, it, that, that people write. It's like, I don't know. There's sometimes I would just get like mega triggered by like some of these writers in English class because I was like, well, what else are you supposed to do? Like you're the teachers want us to talk about them. So I don't like, I, I would, I would find pleasure in saying, you know, this writer that you find so profound, I think they're full of it. You know, I mean, I fame and we've talked about that on our last podcast, but I, I famously had like this story where we, uh, where, where, I was so fed up with allegories and the artistry of allegories that I wrote this paper for my English class about like the the profound meaning of porta potties and the grapes of wrath. Like I, I seriously wrote this thing out, and my teacher was like, "This was great, Isaac. This is like so meaningful." <laughs> and I remember telling, I remember th- like I didn't say anything. I was just like, "That's just a bunch of bull." Like I literally wrote that as like a fake analysis. Like it's just. It's so stupid, you know? And I, like, a message like, oh, within all of us, there is a savagery and a violence. And, like, that's it, you know? Like, that's kind of, like, the statement. I was like, that's not wisdom. Well, but, that's it, but just... it's an exploration of, of the savagery in us. It's not just saying that, that we have it. Um, it's a, it's a journey into it, right? I guess. I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, was it, is it, I, yeah, of course. I mean, it, it's like a, it starts as a, as a, you know, a war movie that you're kind of excited by. And there's some interesting, like, okay, like some of this stuff isn't good. And then it slowly becomes like this trippy sort of like spiritual, like, ooh, you know, like, oh, brutality is so like, I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if this is really all that deep, you know? Um, I feel like it it is a concept that I wouldn't make a movie about, you know? And so maybe that's like, that's just something personal. I prefer, and it, like, because how can you make a statement like this and then not really bring in like a heavy moral element, you know? Um, which I don't think that this movie has too many moral gut wrenching moments. Like to me, it feels extremely like every death that happens, I didn't find myself caring very much at all. Uh, and well, what I about was, the death was in, kind of, in the um, the riverboat? The, the only good one is is uh clean. Well, that's the only one that has a, a semblance. What about of, when they come up, like when they come across the um the like merchant ship or whatever? Yeah, I was just I, I mean I thought uh, like the merchant ship scene I was like I was kind of like I I don't even know why they started shooting in the first place because she started to but run. But also but it also made me kind of feel like this is just sort of like everyone on the ship is just kind of like stupid, you know? I did like the ending moment where um, Willard shoots her 
Like I thought that that was probably the deepest moment of that scene because there's so to me like there was so much to be read in when he puts the bullet in her. There was something about the crew that was like unhinged at that moment. So you really didn't know like were they bringing her on board to get away from Willard's mission? Were they bringing her on board for some other reason? Yeah, right? yeah. Your mind starts to really begin to like run. The hamster wheel starts to run at that scene. And I think there's some great acting on display there too. But like the deepest moment in that scene is like when Willard shoots her, there's like a there's almost a moral relief at that at that moment. So I mean I would say yes, there's like elements of morality, but the extreme, like in those last statements about like brutality, like is it within all of us, you know? Like at that point in the movie, I was like, this, there's like no human moral struggle at this point anymore. Like it's like, we're just tripping, man. You know, I don't, like whatever's going on. I don't think that's here, true, but I mean, I don't know if you, I, but why, the, the mor- why don't you think that's true? Well, the moral question is, um, whether or not he should, he should kill Kurtz, obviously. Um, and what, what would it mean if he kills Kurtz? And partially, um, you know, he says, everybody wanted me to do it. Even Kurtz himself. Um, part of that is, is sort of the almost, uh, and then, you know, when he walks out and and they all sort of, um, bow to him. It's it's almost like a chain of command um, in this in this sense. And so in, I think I think the question in in you know in his mind um, is what what is what does it mean to be, um, if I like the army wants me to kill him and the um, and Kurtz himself wants me to kill him and apparently so do all of the the natives that that you know consider Kurtz to be a god um what does it mean that we that the structure is sort of set up in this way um and and that's a question for for Willard as a character um and obviously he he um he succumbs and he becomes the um, you know, the, the, the quote unquote savages who are, you know, killing the water buffalo, um, you know, and, and he's, he sees Kurtz as, you know, essentially just a, um, just cattle. Um, I mean, I think that's a moral, uh, question, right? Yeah. Well, I'm Cameron, I'm pushing because I want to hear, right? Yeah. I yeah. know that I'm pushing uh, cause I'm like, I want to hear more of like why, you know, I'm not. Just because I didn't feel it now doesn't mean I won't see it later with this movie. I like this movie, but I have to be like, come on, you know, like what, what did I miss, you know, in it? And so, I mean, I think, I think your interpretation is right. I still didn't feel that. Like I didn't feel the moral bit. Um, I didn't feel that gut wrenching human drama that I feel like I've, experienced in my personal life more than enough. Yeah. yeah. Like to me, there's more moral tension and struggle in saving private Ryan. And maybe that's because there's more of a hopeful outlook. I don't know. Maybe it's a subjective thing for myself, but you can't deny that there's something inherently human and like twisting 
about Saving Private Ryan scenes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was no, no there's no death scene in this movie that comes close to you know the one at the end of Saving Private Ryan. Um actually to most of the death scenes in Saving Private Ryan, yeah. you know. And I'm sitting here thinking why wasn't there like more of that gut twisting thing, you know? Shouldn't that be prevalent in a war movie? And this movie's response is, we're all savages. And I'm like, okay. You know, like, I'm just, I'm like, that doesn't feel, okay, maybe it, maybe it's me being selfish and saying like, well, that doesn't feel right, you know? And maybe that's what they're trying to say about Vietnam. Who knows? But to me, it's like, that's why it wasn't hitting I like a lot about this movie, but it wasn't hitting the way that I was like wanting it to hit, you know? Um, and I know I can hear the cinephiles being like, well, not every movie has to be like <laughs> what you want it to be, you know? <laughs> and I was like, but this movie could have been well, something but like that. I do, you know? I do think the, the natural ambiguity um, is, is something, um, is a positive of the movie in some ways. You know, it, it the fact that um, it sort of follows the ambiguity of the Vietnam War. I mean, even even in something like Full Metal Jacket, right, where um, the characters that you're following, I mean, there's nothing, there's there's nothing. Saving Private Ryan is very unique. One and two, partially, you have a sense that um, there's like. It's like righteous victory in some ways. And obviously you can make moral statements about righteous victories and about doing wrong things in the name of, um, in the, you know, names in the name of doing something right uh, or courage in the face of, of the enemy, you know, things like that. Yeah, obviously that's going to be, but that's going to be a much more sort of black and white, um, uh, you know, moral question. Whereas even in full metal jacket and in this movie, the it's, it's, it's ambiguous because, um, the situation is ambiguous. Um, and how do you know whether or not the, the things that you're doing are, are correct? Um, when the whole thing is kind of incorrect, um, you know, it's all a little bit messed up. And I think, you know, I don't know. I have a I I I understand what you're saying, and I I I I get what you mean um, that it didn't sort of connect in a one to one sense to you. But I mean, I would say the the ambiguity of it um, and sort of the moral grayness of it is um, is real, and it sort of lives in a in a situation that had a moral ambiguity and a grayness in it um so i feel like that makes sense personally yeah I mean, there's probably a moral ambiguity and with uh lawrence fishburg getting hooked on heroin <laughs> too so very very hollywood you know like it, there's a part of me that's like kind of vomiting on the inside where i'm like i just i don't know if i want to hear it i don't know if i care to hear it from these people you know like and that's sort of it's just separated. Like I need to separate the film from, you know, the, some like the, the involvement of the creators and whatnot, but I can't help, but feel that way sometimes. 
when watching movies like this. I don't know why it brings out something in me. Maybe it's something about like when there's something that like you disagree with in a film, you're kind of like, I don't know. Is it like at odds with an ideology and stuff? But I do find, I do find that your interpretation of like kind of the pressure of institutions around you in regard of like morality to be much more interesting than what I pulled away from it. So I think I'm going to, I'm going to kind of sit and let that marinate, you know, cause I do think that is an interesting aspect I hadn't considered about the film Cameron. So, um, I had to push a little bit. I wanted some good stuff out of you. So thanks for hopping on the fly there, Cameron, and being ready. I'm ready. For it. I love it. Any other thoughts, Cameron, about uh, Apocalypse Now? No, I mean, I think we, I think we dove deep into it. Um, it's a great movie. I mean, it really is. I, and there, the fact that we're talk, we've talked about it for an hour and forty five minutes means something at the very least. Oh, yeah. It means that there is something... I I wouldn't say that it's not deep because we've been pulling, you know, different things out of it. Um, And, you know, it's it's an interesting movie. It's a great one to talk about, too. And, I mean, so gorgeous. It's like, yeah, it's one of the most beautiful movies um, I've ever seen. And it sounds great. I mean, it's just uh, top-notch, top-notch, so... Um, I agree. I agree with you. Cameron. Go ahead and watch it. Um, it's yeah. What what more could you ask for? It's for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to be, if you want to, like you know, get into required reading or required viewing for film or English class, all you got to do is write a story like this where people can argue about it for <laughs> an hour and forty five minutes. <laughs> Trying to grasp what it means, you know, <laughs> what what was the point of that? You know, maybe that's e- harder than it than it sounds. I think but, it might uh, be, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a pro tip for you, filmmakers or writers. You know, that's all you got to do. <laughs> Come on, it can't be that. Make hard, something confusing. Right? That's what Isaac is saying. <laughs> <laughs> Make something that poses a moral question, but it doesn't answer it. And it also just lets you argue about it for hours, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I feel like it's like you could, <laughs> you could like just think of like some weird example where it's like that the, ra- you know, the railroad track morality question. Do you know yeah, what I'm the trolley about? problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could just make a movie based on that, but like, just no answer. And also the train never ends up hitting anyone. And then you'll, that's like, that's literally the whole thing (laughs) is like the end of the movie is the guy flips a switch, um, and walks away and, you know, drops acid. And that's the end of the movie. Mm. And people can be like, wow, Mm. that was, I am thinking now, you know? So, (laughs) and then he he sees himself on the trolley, you know, and he's, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) oh this is why this is why I, sometimes i'm like i hate pretentious movies you know i just I'm, here we go maybe i need to be a writer maybe i need to be like who's that guy that's that is just like pretentious hatred of pretentious people what was that movie that we watched uh that i didn't like that much and it was like a rom-com do you know what i'm talking about oh and you really like it oh was it i'm thinking of ending things 
No. No, <laughs> okay. no, 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 no. Uh, some old, like, funny... Uh, oh, Woody Allen movie? Uh, Manhattan? Yes, Woody I th- Allen. I thought you, you liked like, that. I was, like, kind of split oh, on okay. it, but there yeah. was something about it where it's like, this movie's pretentious, but it also hates the pretentious yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly, yeah. <laughs> I definitely feel like that's... I mean, maybe I gotta get more into some Woody Allen stuff. I think that's probably where... That's what I need to watch tonight, Cameron. What do you have for me? What should I watch by Woody You can Allen? watch Annie Hall. Another classic. All right, maybe I'll think about. It. I probably won't do it. Or Midnight in it, Paris. You know? you know, you could watch either yeah. of those. But well, that involves the French, so probably not. <laughs> but. Yeah, but it also involves <laughs> Owen Wilson. You know. Oh, all right. Maybe maybe I'll. Consider <laughs> it, but, uh, <laughs> what's more American than Owen? <laughs> Come on, man. All right. Well, on that note, uh, I'm going to go watch Cars 2. And Ew. you guys have a great <laughs> rest of your week. <laughs> Why? I know we post, uh, we post every Monday. I have bad opinions. Cameron's the expert. We'll just end with that. And we'll see you guys then. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill, for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners, so we thank you for all your kindness and support.